Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, we always look forward to uh, this time together, this time to worship together and to fellowship. And I think this is the first time, right, since, since COVID that we've been able to do this together. Uh, it feels way, way, way too long, and uh, we are grateful. Uh, on the way in this morning, you know, we got here, and um, David, who just, you know, did a great job leading the music, myself, are sitting here, and it can feel, at times, you can start to get nervous, right? Nervous that uh, I want to do a good job preaching, he wants to do a good job leading, and for just a second there, we're able to stop and say, hey, you know what, the power, the power isn't necessarily in perfect. Forming. The power is in connecting together. Uh, the power, the electricity, is the spirit working between us. And so um, I don't want to lose sight of that. I want to preach well. I want to be faithful. David wants to lead well. But truly the gift is that we get to gather together like this. We get to be present with one another. If that's not primary, um, then we've lost sight of things. The real point, the real gift is being able be present with one another, with God's spirit in this place. Amen? Amen? Also, it was probably a wise move to take the offering before I preach. <laughs> hey, uh, I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Let's pray over the reading of the word. Holy Spirit, do your will on this day with your people. Uh, do your will, we pray. Lord, we pray that your word would become flesh and dwell among us. Pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our soul, open us up to what you're doing, God. For we truly believe you are a living God. We believe your spirit moves. And no matter how isolated we may be at times, no matter how removed we may be in our heart, and our soul, and our mind, we pray that your spirit would open up our heart, that our heart would be a revolving door, that we would sense what you're doing, by the power of your word, and by the power of your spirit today with your people. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, for you are without a doubt our rock, you are without a doubt our redeemer, you are, without a doubt, the source of our strength. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. Holy Spirit, do your will. Do your will, Holy Spirit, and God's people said. Amen. Amen. Listen along then to the word of God from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is Paul writing. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence. I did not come with superior wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, 
so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. It's the word of God. Thanks be to God. I want to invite you this morning to pay extra attention this morning to verses 4 and 5. Again, he writes, My message, my preaching, were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that our faith, those that we come into contact with, may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Eugene Peterson, the message, puts it this way. He says, Nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. God's spirit, God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. Look, this morning I want to speak, for I believe that God in word and spirit is compelling me to speak on the theme, show and then tell. Show, then tell. Look at as a child, maybe in kindergarten, we were learning the ABCs. Once a week, you'd learn a different letter. First or second week of the school year, letter A, the second week, letter B, and you go through the whole alphabet. And each week, the teacher would invite us to bring in a different object that started with the letter that we were learning about that week. So the second week, the letter B, you bring in a baseball bat or a Barbie or something that starts with a B. I love show and tell. Because it's one thing you know, to tell people about what you got at home, some toy you have, but it's another thing to be able to show people, your friends, your peers, that toy or souvenir you may have. When I was in kindergarten, it's around that age, my grandparents went to Switzerland, which is Western Europe. And they came back, they got all us grandkids together, and they got each of us grandkids a little Swiss Army pocket knife with their names monogrammed on them. I had a little blue one, Joe Heisinger set on the side. And I loved that little pocket knife because I couldn't imagine how far Switzerland was away from where we lived. And so I had this pocket knife, I loved this little pocket knife. Switzerland was like another world to me. I couldn't imagine traveling so far. So it was this exotic little thing and little pocket knife had 30 different tools in it, right? Had a little toothpick, had a scissors, had a little saw, a fingernail file. I had, had 30 different things packed into it. I never used it, not for one of those things, but I had it and I loved it. Well, we were at school and it was, I don't know, the 13th week, whatever letter K is in the alphabet. Letter K, and it was also the sound K, K. And so I knew I shouldn't bring my pocket knife to school, but it was show and tell time and I wanted to bring that pocket knife. Wanted to bring it. Should have brought a kite, a kazoo, a kaleidoscope, but I wanted to bring that knife. And so I got up in front of class, the week of the letter K, and I had that little knife in my hand. And we had, um, is anyone here related to Lucille Coinga? All right, we're good then. (laughs) She was the substitute teacher that day. She sat, you know, she was substitute, she was sitting in a chair over there, and I went up there, and she said, what do you have for the letter K? And I had my little knife and I said, and I opened my little hand, you know, that little knife size, my pinky, I said, it's a Swiss Army knife. And she shrieked out, he's got a weapon! <laughs> we never bring weapons to school. Right in front of her, there was a jar with scissors with a blade about that big. <laughs> Rusty. Look, I love show and tell. 
The best day of show and tell was when we did the letter D, because a classmate, he got up front, stood up front, the, the doorway to the room was over there, and he didn't have anything in his hands. He got up, and he said, for the letter D, and he kept looking over to the, to the hallway, he said, for the letter D I brought, and he's buying time up there, and he's nervous, and finally his mom showed up with the dog. She came in, she let the dog off the leash, and the whole class chased that dog all around the classroom. 30 kids running around chasing a dog. But it's crazy because 30, 40 years later, I still remember. If he would have got up and told a story about his dog, he would have told about the dog, I don't think I would have remembered at all. But because he came and showed, it left a deep imprint. It left a deeper memory inside of me. You see, there's a difference between showing and telling. Humor me, Faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Rosalind, you can do it too. <laughs> neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. There's a difference <laughs> between showing <laughs> and telling. Man, look at Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them. Right? People can tell you who they are all day long. But when they show you, you had better believe them. Showing and telling are two very different things. I can tell you I love you. That's real nice. But if I treat you like garbage, if I never show any affection towards you, showing and telling are two different things. That's a deeper thing. If, if I see that you are hungry and I say, oh, I see you're hungry. I hope you get something to eat. That's very different if you're eating a meal in front of that person and you share that meal with that other person. Showing and telling are two very different things. I can tell you I want to get to know you, but if I never spend time with you, if I never make time to be with you, to sit with you, to listen to your story, to hear about your world, if I never do that, then I'm not really showing you that I want to get to know you. I can tell you I sure wish you weren't suffering. And that's nice, but if I take the time to be present with you, if I wipe some tears from your eyes, if I bear your pain with you, that's a whole different thing than just telling you I'm sorry that you're suffering. Look, it's what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't just say, I love you, but I got to keep moving. No, for God so loved his world that he gave his only son and Jesus came into our humanity. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. God didn't just shout down from heaven, I love you down there, down there, down there. No, Jesus took on flesh and blood, lived like us, hurt like us, loved like us, suffered like us, died like people do. The God that we worship does a whole lot more showing than telling. There's a difference between showing and telling. And the Apostle Paul, after having experience with God, God showed his love and forgiveness, began to witness and tell people about Jesus. And God's spirit moved in Paul and other apostles and churches began to form. But Paul came to find out early on 
As he was sharing the good news, Paul came to find out early on that being followers of Jesus Christ, we can get in the trap of doing more telling than showing. And when we do more telling than showing, we begin to emphasize the telling rather than the showing. When we emphasize the telling, we get caught up more in the style, in how we tell. This is especially true of preachers. One writer puts it this way. He says, most preachers I know, including myself, like to be admired, if not liked. We naturally like to tell people about the power of Jesus, but also about our preaching and teaching. By nature, preachers want people to be drawn to Jesus, but preferably, we want people to be drawn to Jesus by our display of wisdom and power. That is to say, preachers, followers of Jesus Christ, we can get caught up in the language, in the presentation that we use, we can get caught up in the style that we speak with, we can get caught up in how educated we may sound, we can get caught up in the knowledge that we speak with. And the reverse is also true. Sometimes we don't want to share because we're worried that we don't sound a certain type of way or that we might not feel or sound knowledgeable enough about the Bible to share with people of other faith. But here's the deal when it comes to Jesus. I believe the Bible's very clear about this, so let me be clear as well. It does not matter how educated you may sound. It does not matter how authentic you may sound. Honestly, it doesn't matter how you really sound. What's most important when we communicate the gospel to others is are we showing the power of God in our life? That is to say, when we live our lives, we are called to show the very power of God. We are to show the humility of God in the interactions that we have with people. We're to show God's power in our lives, show God's kindness, show God's patience. That's what's important, not how we sound. A few chapters later, Paul will write, If I speak with the tongue of angels, but I don't have love, then I'm just an annoying symbol. Francis of Assisi famously wrote, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. Show and then tell. Look at if I can quote this verse and that verse and I know the Hebrew and I know the Greek, there is value in that and I'm not being anti-intellectual. But even more powerful, even more important, even more central to the gospel is can I stand on my feet and say, look, I don't know all the theology, I don't know all the languages, but here's what I know. I once was lost, and now I'm found. I, I was back there, and God took me here. I, I was crying, and God heard my cry. I was lost, and God found me. I was down in the pit, and God lifted me up. There was no way for me to make it, and yet God pulled me through. Because when we speak in that power, 
Oh, that's the power of the gospel. I don't speak that well. I might not know chapter and verse, but I know that I was blind and now I see. Oh, that's the power of the gospel right there. God took me from there and God brought me here. That's God's power. This is different. This is different than, I don't like using this language, but it's different than the way the world works. The world operates on self-promotion, highly stylized presentation that draws attention to the eloquence and the execution of the one presenting, oftentimes a preacher. But Paul is writing, don't worry about that. Show the power of God in your life. Show the power of God's Spirit in your life. I believe part of what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is that he's, he's distinguishing Christianity from the other world religions and philosophies of the day. Every other great religion, every great philosophy was about ascent and how you present the climbing to a higher plane of knowledge, going upward. And Paul is saying, empty yourself of all that. Empty all of that. Live out God's power by serving others. Okay. Look at Paul knew the great Greek, the great philosophies of the day. Paul had a passport that would allow him to move between cultures, and yet Paul, educated, articulate, Paul knew all of that, and yet even him, he knew that while great speeches have their place, while great philosophy has its place, while inspirational words have their place, while there's wisdom and, and, and that has its place, these things are nothing when compared to demonstrating the power of God in how we live our lives. These things are nothing. I want to say that Certainly education, the ability to speak publicly, the ability to play music. Those things matter, but they are nothing. When emptying ourselves and letting God's spirit move in us to be a living testimony, emptying ego, emptying the climb, Emptying all that and just saying, God, use me. God, use me. I have found more and more that I think the most profound thing that we can do is to be still and be silent. I have a, uh, I bought this thing off of Amazon. It's a lockbox. I put a timer on it. And you can't get in that thing. You take the battery out, you slam it, crush it. And I put my phone in there for 24 hours, once a week. Uh, because I just go to my phone nonstop. This is not a sermon against technology or phones. But in today's culture, I think the most profound thing we can do is sit in silence, sit in stillness, 
and listen. Feel. Allow God's Spirit to move. Allow God's Spirit to fill us up. To hear and listen for God's voice. You find in the stillness, in the silence, you might not hear an audible voice, but maybe somewhere even deeper in your soul, you can hear God saying, be still and know that I am God. Okay. In the stillness and in the silence, you think you've got 50 things to do. You start to make a to-do list. Those things will still be there the next day. Okay. But to just sit in the stillness and in the quiet, you may hear the very voice of God saying to you, I love you. You belong to me, heart and soul. I don't think that we can get to the place, I'll speak for myself personally, it is hard to get to the place where we live out of the Spirit if we don't stop, listen, pray, and wait. Look, we have in us the power of the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible testifies that because we have in us God's Spirit, we have in us the very mind of Christ. Right now, in the moment, you have in you God's Spirit, and you have in you the mind of Christ. That's a hard thing to get, to get our minds around. Okay. Especially when we know how broken and how fallen we are. Yes, Lord. How can the God who created the heaven and earth exist in me? God's spirit come and dwell in me. How can the mind of Christ be in us as people when all of us, no matter what church, no matter what denomination, we know that we've made mistakes and done some things through the years. And so it's a hard thing to conceptualize, right? It's a hard thing sometimes to feel. Feeling can be subjective, but can we feel God's spirit in us? Not always. Can we sense all the time in the very moment God's presence? Not always. Sometimes I feel depressed. Sometimes I am depressed. Sometimes I just feel mundane. Sometimes I'm excited. Feelings are subjective. They go this way and that way. So it's hard to conceptualize the presence of God in us. But what I've noticed is this. When we take that time to stop, when we pause, when we take that time and when we look back, it doesn't take very far to look back. And we can begin to see the presence of God in our lives. I can't always sense God's spirit in the present moment. There are times when I do. I feel, oh, God is in our midst. But there's other times where I don't sense that. But when I look back and when I look at the places where it doesn't make any sense, that life was going that way and all of a sudden it's almost as if someone grabbed me by the back of my coat and pulled me this way. When I look back and I said, you know, I could have been dead and gone, but God pulled me through. And when I look back at the moments where I didn't have any strength, I didn't have any power, I was down on my knees and God lifted me up. When I look back at those moments, 
When, when I couldn't forgive someone and yet somehow God gave in me, not by my strength, but by his own strength, the ability to forgive. And when I look back at the moments where somebody forgave me when I didn't deserve it, when we look back, we can then see that the Spirit was working not just around us, putting the right people in our life, but God's Spirit was working in us. You can see the presence and feel the presence when we look back. We can truly say that God's Spirit has been with me. So I invite you to look back today. Look back on your life, even if you can't always sense God's spirit, even if you wrestle with faith, look back and remember the places where God's power showed up. Look back and remember the places that God showed up and you can say, God has been good to me. God worked it out. God made a way. Look back and remember the places where God was present, where you can shout, I've been blessed, God's been good to me. I've been blessed. God loved me when I was unlovable. God's spirit was at work in me. God's spirit lives in me even now. Like when we look back over our lives and when we think things all over, we all have a testimony. We all have a moment where God's spirit was present. And here's the best part, I truly believe. The best part is when we look back and where we see the penmanship of God's Spirit writing our story, when we look back, you can tell it, you can share it with other people, you do have a testimony, but the truth is, more often than not, you don't even need to tell it. When you are living in God's Spirit, when you are living in that kind of kindness, when you are living in that kind of grace, when you are living in that kind of forgiveness, when you are living in that, it shows all over you. People see it in how you glow. People see it in how you forgive. People see it in the lightness that you walk with. People see it in how you love. People see it in how what used to be heavy burdens you carry so lightly. You see, there's no diminishing, there's no shading, there's no stopping God's Spirit when it's at work in us. Amen?